We're going exclusively inside the Derby camp this week and we've got a Football League chairman on the way. But give me one good reason why we shouldn't start the show with Gareth Ainsworth and his band, the Cold-Blooded Hearts, singing The Wanderer. Mum? Leave it a bit longer? No. This is Gareth and this is the Totally Football League show. I'm Barker, I'm too a wanderer, but back this week alongside me, he has his wandering style from Southend to Stevenage and Carlisle with a little bit of the Arsenal, Adrian Clark is here. Yeah, hi. Yeah, <laughs> you had me at hello. Well on you. I'm just mixing it up. Good, I enjoyed it. Uh, he barely wandered from the penalty box, Sam Parkin. Morning. Oh, that was a little bit higher pitch. You were a little bit gruffer when I spoke to you earlier. Yeah, I got a bad chest. I'm going to soldier on. Good. Good. That's the kind of approach we like from our strikers. And he is a wanderer, a Bolton wanderer. In fact, all of this was created, just so I could say that to him, from William Hill, Joe Crilly. Good morning. Mainly because who is this Bolton Bolton wanderers we've seen of late? They're great, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> title contenders, maybe. Maybe really? not. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, hopefully, if they do become title contenders, you might get a bit more excited about it than that. Before we start this week, I need to ask you, have any of you paid up for the Peaky Blinders box at Birmingham <laughs> City? This is a new thing for all the fans. You two can They've have... jumped on the bandwagon a bit, haven't they? A seven-item finger buffet <laughs> uh, entitled the Peaky Blinders well, box. Well, I've been to West Brom a couple of times this season. They've got Peaky Blinders stand there. or It's completely sponsored by West Peaky, Bl- Peaky Blinders Brewery. So, or there's a Peaky Blinders beer that, that's all plastered all over the stand opposite the main one at West Brom. So, look, a bit of Peaky Blinders war going on, warfare in the Midlands. I think Birmingham is jumping on a bandwagon here, aren't they? I think there is some suggestion that one of the main players in the Peaky Blinders was, was from Aston as well. So, that's a third <laughs> Midlands club. Plot thing, I, I think club. Yeah, that this it. is the wrong that needs to be right. Christmas do, though. We could, we could hire it out. All, all goes Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Oh, I'm up for that if you are. Uh, maybe not. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Let's get stuck in, shall we? And we'll start with the championship at the Totally show if you want to be part of it too with your Peaky Blinders suggestions. It is boing boing baggies, whether they're peaky or not. They go top of the table after a 2 0 win at managerless Stoke. Managerless because it's bye bye Nathan Jones. It seems like four weeks ago, actually, that we, they were saying that, but it's only just been this week. If Stoke had their way, it'd be hello. To Alex Neal, possibly. The Cowley Brothers' revolution continues at Huddersfield. Now seven games unbeaten. We've now got 15 teams separated by nine points. And how did you spend your Sunday afternoon? Because Marcelo Bielsa got stuck into a bit of chilly women's hockey. He didn't didn't take his bucket to sit on. Um, he did, though, give them a, a team talk. I was at, where was I? Barnsley against Bristol City on Friday night and there was talk that Bielsa would be there and some wag did shout from the back as he brought his bucket to sit on um, which he probably needs to put over his head it was that wet I'd love a team talk from Bielsa we've seen that crossover happen before haven't we different sports yeah but could you understand it 
What? If I well, I haven't had a team talk, but I would no, love but it. I'm, I'm only saying if it, we we wouldn't be beneficiaries of a Bielsa team talk because his, his English is it's not great, is it? See, I, I'm not so sure. I, who here hasn't spoken to a manager who professes not to have good enough English <laughs> to talk to the press, but is brilliant when you talk to them one on one? That is a, that is an old chestnut. Got, got no. Strong Weatherby accent he's got now. <laughs> yeah. He's a scholar the of the game. That he absolutely is. is. Yeah. So in which case, I'd love it. Oh, how Stoke could maybe do with a bit of his knowledge at the moment. Not surprised about Nathan Jones going, Sam? We thought maybe, say, four or five weeks ago he was yeah. going. I am still surprised. Yeah, I was surprised because I think on this show three weeks ago after they had that victory over Fulham, wasn't it? Yeah. I anticipated them really picking up and I felt that he would get it right, that they'd backed him. So I am surprised to a degree. I'm sure Nathan Jones will be fine in time. He'll get another good job. But yeah, they were pitiful the other the other night uh, in that defeat against West Brom. I mean, they hardly laid a glove on them. I, I kind of anticipated them going a little bit more defensive considering the opposition, but it looks like a squad bereft of confidence and went away from the diamond and it's almost starting again. They just need someone to come in uh, as soon as possible. And uh, But it's going to be so tricky because we've seen it with not one manager, but probably three managers now. Yeah, need a strong manager, don't they? It's, uh, and one with experience. You can't be going for another younger guy. I think it's someone who's been there and, and looked after different scenarios in their career. They used to go in and use all of their experience. And someone's strict, really, just to knock their heads together. Because and... of the players. Because yeah. of everything that's kind of been inferred over the past few weeks about the power mm. within that, that dressing room. Yeah, it, on the pitch, all we can see is what's going on on the pitch. And they, they don't look like they're really working that hard for one another. The, the spirit is, is low. Um, it's a real mess. Delat went with three at the back, didn't he, the other day? Um, that didn't work. Um, so, so no, it, it's really poor. All departments have functioned badly. I've got a good stat on Stoke. And this has nothing to do with the manager situation, but it's sort of symptomatic of, of what's gone wrong there. Not a single Stoke midfielder has created a goal this season. Not one. I'll give you this. I'll give you the stat. Lee Gregory, who's a forward, has got two, and every other assist has come from a defender. It's quite astonishing, really. Creatively, they've had nothing this year at Stoke, and, and that's just one part of the the problem that the new manager has to solve. Steve Clark's been linked, hasn't he? Chris Hewton, Tony Poulos. Yes, Steve Clark. I think linked overnight. Yeah. He's a strong guy, but he's manager of Scotland, so I'm not sure whether he'd move or not. But but yeah, they need someone really tough to get stuck into this team. Otherwise, they're going down. We'll get some odds from Joe in, in just a minute on, on who could be the new Stoke boss and whether Clark has shifted into that as well. Away at Barnsley next. Huge, huge match for Stoke. And if you've got no one in there that wants to... If you're not going to show up for Roy Delap, then how are you going to show up for anyone else going into that match at Barnsley? Yeah, it's a huge game. I've probably... I don't know why, but I've always kind of been against, like... The Sam Allardyce's and the Tony Pulis is getting another gig, but I don't know. They've tried everything else in the last few years. And, you know, we speak about the mentality of this group, uh, you know, coming out of the Premier League. Is there still some prima donnas there? Well, they could probably do worse than getting Tony Pulis in there now to try and just get a tune out of this squad. But the problem with this weekend is you, it's the opportunity for one of these teams to be cut adrift. Yeah. Well, that's um, likely to happen. So it's it's a huge game. Barnsley have been better in terms of their performances under Murray, um, scoring a few more goals. I actually looked at this. That starting lineup that Stoke had out against West Brom, there were six goals in that um, starting eleven. Whereas Barnsley in their previous game, I think twelve goals. So there's more goals in the Barnsley team. I would suggest mm -hmm. it could be two similar systems looking to cancel each other out. 
but I would anticipate Stoke at least having a bit more of a go considering Barnsley's plight. Have either of you sat in dressing rooms where, <laughs> might have been both of you, but have you sat in a dressing room where there's been a new manager come in and the power has sat with other players in that dressing room? How do you control it? Do you just bin them off completely? Is that even possible? Or how do, how do you get rid of that, that noise that's already in there? I think managers have come in and they've got to be aggressive and they've got to be bold straight away. And if they have bad eggs in that dressing room, then they, they normally act very quickly. I've been in dressing rooms where you can sense that you're on a slippery slide towards relegation, you know, and there's no coming back from it if there's a large group of the players. Sometimes it can be too strong, that influence. Um, I would suggest that there's still enough games to go in this season. There's still another window and there's enough good players at Stoke to at least consolidate in the championship this year, get their house in order and try and get back in the Premier League in the next couple of years. It's not all lost because the squad of players still to me and some of the recruitment, you look at Gregory and Hogan, I know they're missing at the moment. I think that's big mm. for them, taking away that threat. Yeah, this appointment is enormous, but I don't see it all being lost just yet. Yeah, I've been in dressing rooms where senior players have had the year of the hierarchy, the board members, the chairman, like, and I, I just hated it myself because I was a young player at the time. And you just think that they've obviously got their own vested interests. And I don't think that the chairman should be engaging too much with the players or, no. or the ownership, in my opinion. And players can get managers sacked. They can just leak information, just say, look, it's not happening. Dressing room's not having him. And before you know it, that guy's gone. Who said they can't do it with the next one and the next one and the next one? So it really does take a strong manager. I've also played under caretakers who've been quite a little bit weak. And then you virtually have the senior players dictating what's going to happen. So it's important that Stoke don't let that drift on. I think they need to make a fairly swift appointment and to instill someone that from day one will make it their rules. Eight points, bottom of the table, point behind Barnsley and then Middlesbrough on 12 points, Luton on 14, then 15, 15, 16, 18, 18, still fairly tight around that bottom of the table. But you're right, Sam, the feet and what that would do to them this weekend as well for either of those teams. Has anything changed with Stokes odds on going down on the managers coming in, Joe? Well, Stoke are amongst the uh, the favourites for relegation now. Their, their odds haven't really changed since the departure of Nathan Jones. They're seven to four joint second favourites alongside Luton, and behind only Barnsley to go down uh, from the Championship. And in terms of uh, who's going to take over, Steve Clark has been mentioned overnight. He doesn't feature anywhere in our betting. He's around about twenty-five to one shot. Uh, I think that's quite an audacious bid from Stoke to try and prize him away from Scotland, especially with uh, Scotland having a potential, well, having a playoff for the Euros in the summer. The favourites are Chris Hewton at 2-1, to one, Tony Pulis at 5-2, to two, uh, and then there's a big gap. So it looks like a two-horse race, really, in the betting, with Alan Pardew, uh, Michael O'Neill and Alex Neal all 8-1. to one. Quick word on West Brom then. Uh, Julian Dix, Slavin Bilic, uh, the joy in their, their faces. Now they're up towards the top of the table. Do you... Feel like anyone will wrestle it away from them? Um, yeah, I think the, the leader will chop and change. I don't think any team's going to run away with the championship this year. Nah. West Brom continues to, to surprise me because they're performing exceptionally well and they're definitely improving. And, and, and we know about where their strengths lie with the Dean Garners and, uh, and, and players of that ilk, Sawyers, of course. But they're, they're top of the league without a striker that's scoring goals. I mean, Charlie Austin's having a mare. And, and no one else is really chipping in in terms of the front men. 
Robson Carnu's obviously made a bit of an impact of, of late. Gareth and, Barry, and, though. And at the back, and then at the, the back, I still don't think they've got their best centre-back partnership. Um, Hagazi, I think, is close to coming back. So both ends of the pitch, then they're, they're definitely not as strong as they could be, yet they're top. It's mad, isn't it? Because, of course, there's a strong argument when you've got ideally two players that are capable of getting you 15, 20 goals yeah. um, in tandem or even one that can get you 25. But we've seen in the championship, even Wolves, when they got promoted, they didn't really have an out-and-out out centre-forward getting 20 goals. Cardiff certainly didn't. I think it is achievable. I think there's just different ways of doing it. Though. I wonder. I'm just thinking about Carvey Barnes last year. It was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah. So good that he got recalled. I wonder what West Ham are thinking. Mm. With Grady Dean Garner at the moment. I don't know if it's, there's a break clause in this or not. West Ham aren't exactly pulling up trees. Dean Garner could potentially head back if, if that's on. Pereira, I think, has made the difference of late. They've put him in behind the front player instead of Kravinovic, who flattered to deceive, in, in my opinion. So, so I think that was, a, that was a really smart move from Bilic. But yeah, look, they're doing great, but don't think they're going to run, run away with it. Can I just say again, Gareth Barry, back in... <laughs> 39 years young. That he could be the difference. You never know. Uh, talking of an old man returning, Wayne Rooney has apparently gone back, had his little chat with Derby this week. He's off on holiday. Then he's going to start his pre-season in December. So all set for that still to happen. Our man Nick off the team has been speaking to a Derby fella, Christian Bielik, who's expected to be fit for the small tussle at Nottingham Forest at the weekend. Well, I know, I know that you know this is this is a big game, it's a big derby game. So um, a few boys already said that it's, it's going to be a big and tough game. So we we, we will be prepared and uh, we will be ready for this game. So nothing special for me. I I played already in big games, so it's it's going to be another important game for me. So the results have um, kind of been up and down a little bit this season. Has that been kind of? the squad and the team getting used to the manager's style and, and what he wants from you obviously man, a new manager to the club and, and to the to the country and the league well I think you know everything takes time you know it's a new manager and new players as well so uh, you know I think we, we're doing alright and uh, you know there's always up and downs but you know I think when we get on this uh, on this good run, we will go down again. So we work on it really hard on the on the training pitch to have this uh, you know good run, and I hopefully it will come soon. Where do you think you are in ter- maybe not in terms of kind of results or you know position in the league table, but where you are as as a team? Where do you think you you are compared to where maybe you thought you were going to be at the start of the season? I think Derby County is very is one of the b- uh, biggest clubs in, in championship. So, uh, you know, if you look at the table on the table, we are we are fifteenth now right now. But there is four points. We are four points behind the playoffs. So, um, you know, and about seven points to the top or eight points to the top. So, you know, I'm. I think we need to be we need to be focused on our work. We need to be focused on our football. What we want to do on the pitch, and uh, I think we will get, we will get there. You know, um, so there's so many so many games in this season, uh, like every season in championship. So you know, the table can you know change massively at the end of the season. So we we you know we confident we focus on our football, and um, I'm pretty confident we will be there in playoffs uh, uh, or on top. 
How key is, is this game in Nottingham Forest this weekend for Derby? Uh, pretty big. It gives Koku the chance, doesn't it, to, to claim a big scalp. And the season's been pretty flat. I know that they should actually, I think, feel delighted to be where they are in the league table, given that they've been fairly... Well, I think they've been worse than mediocre during, during the course of the campaign. They're very much in touch with the playoff picture. And look, if they can go to the city ground and win, then the mood will be lifted no end, won't it? Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're 15th, mm. but they're just four points off it's Bristol nothing, City is it? and six. It's yeah. absolutely nothing. Um, they go there, they played a different system in the, in the last game. Uh, went with two up top, which me and Sam have been sort of crying out for, really, from them. They went with Marriott and Martin. Previously, he just wanted the one up front and it worked. They had a bit more about them against Middlesbrough. But I was reading some of the quotes from Koku afterwards and I, I get the feeling that's not something he wants to get married to. He was basically saying, yeah, in certain matches, particularly when we play three defenders, then I think having two up front will work. But it wouldn't surprise me if they went back to to their norm for the Derby game. And yeah, look, they got a bit of payback. Like I was at the game last year and they were awful. Lampard's players didn't turn up. They owe their supporters a performance. So it'd be, be fascinating to see to see what happens. But you have to say that, that they would be big underdogs against Forest. I, I still don't think we've heard the last of the incident involving Keogh and Co. I know we've heard from Richard Keogh's agent this week. That's going to go backwards and, and forwards. Regardless of the where's and wherefores and whatever's happened there, is that still affecting Derby, do you think, Sam? I think it's brought up quite a lot by the manager post-match at the moment you know each passing week there seems to be um, more noise there's an update this week we've had the agent speaking so I think it was a big win last time out definitely and um, I think it'll have done some they've done them some good I think there's a couple of things on Derby I think I said Wayne Rooney wouldn't get in the team he definitely will get in the team yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did write them off after that first game of the season away at Huddersfield I just didn't feel they were going to have anything more than a mediocre season and I, I, I'm still completely with that statement. I think getting Lawrence playing in his best position at the tip of a diamond mm -hmm. is a no-brainer. So I think that's a real positive for them and getting the, the two lads in tandem up front. But no, I think it, it's probably had a disabling effect. I think you know our takes on it, Caroline. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit confused as to why Derby have made this stance. Um, I think it, of course, has got something to do with finances. I think they had two options. You you sack the, the trio or you, you back Richard Keogh through his rehabilitation, pay him his wages and then sever ties at the end of his contract. Mm. Yeah, it seems unfair. I think you go all in. You either get rid of all three or none at all. And you could argue that he's been a victim as much as Derby County have of, of what happened in terms of he wasn't driving and he's the one out for, for a lengthy period of time. It, it does make you think, moving forward, should football clubs insert mandatory clauses in, the, in every player's contract whereby if you get injured away from football, then there is an automatic wage reduction? Because there is a problem there, isn't there? Because it, I do see it from Derby's point of view. It's not, that, not their fault. Yet they're now, they're now in London having to pay an injured player a hefty amount of money for, for a long, long time where he does, can't give you anything. Does that happen with sort of things like dangerous sports you can't go in yeah. because yeah. your insurance coverage and, and yeah. things around? Exactly. Yeah, it does. I, I've, ski, known, I've known it to happen, players mm. getting injured during the summer. Mm. And unfortunately, if you are an asset mm. and you're someone who's in the team and, and have been doing well previously, they'll back you. They'll let it go, yeah. They'll back you. So that just shows you exactly 
the predicament Richard Keogh's found himself in because at 33, I believe he is, coming towards the end of his career, you know, he's not probably going to be getting in many championship mm. first 11s when yeah. he returns. Well, legal action is, is, is going to follow and so it's not going to go away. At the Totally Show for your thoughts, we will talk maybe about odds on Nottingham Forest Derby in a moment and also Barnsley Stoke. But one other game I wanted to talk about, Cardiff, Bristol City Mm. uh, coming up, Adrian. Yeah, Cardiff, uh, it's a big game, seven-side derby. I've been to this one, Atash and Gate before, and it's pretty lively. Let me tell you, the fans, they really don't like each other. So, So I'm looking forward to the game. Cardiff, they needed that. It was a very lucky win, I think, against Birmingham, a jammy penalty. But that might be the kickstart they needed. Who are so, they? Wh- who, who are Cardiff City this season? Well, I'll tell you exactly in a minute. <laughs> well, they're not, they're not as good defensively as they were. That's for sure. They're, they're letting in a, a lot more goals than you'd expect. Um, I don't think the keeper's playing very well. Neil Etheridge is having a bit of an iffy season. The good news is that Sol Bamba's back in the match day squad. So, so he, he will be close to a return. I don't, who are they? I mean, what were they when they went up? I mean, that's that. That's we still probably don't know the answer to that. It was they're such an ugly team to watch. Yet when they get inside the final third, when you've got Hoylett and Mendes Lang, you've always got a chance to to make things happen. That's what's got them promoted the first time. Who's to say that if they can solidify at the back, that won't be repeated? Mm. The issue is with the striker. Glatzel has had a bit of a nightmare. He's, I mean, on the expected goals he should have scored five or six he's, he's got two penalties um, he's out there's a striker crisis I think ahead of this game it's just Bogle really that's the main option up top so no we don't know who they are and for that reason I, I think Bristol have got a good chance here of, of picking up a, a positive result I see it as a real contrast in managerial styles first and foremost I think Cardiff arguably have less of the ball now than they did in their promotion season I mean Birmingham City had 66% the other day mm-hmm. 26 shots to 12 and Cardiff City won 4-2. And it's the exact same game that I saw a few weeks ago when I saw QPR handsomely beaten there as well. So say what you like about Cardiff. They'll pick up results. Mm. I don't enjoy watching them. I'll say that. And what we'll see at the weekend is a manager in Lee Johnson who is very flexible in his setup, who can change, who does change in-game. Cardiff 4-3-3. And I think defensively, Bristol City have got three very good options at at centre-half. So there's an argument to say that they'll deal pretty well with an aerial bombardment. But I think in midfield, where the second ball's, where you've got to be aggressive, that's where Cardiff will, in my eyes, naturally have the upper hand. So Mm. Lee Johnson's got to look at that area. And at the moment, it's Brownhill that's been in there. He got injured at the weekend, though. Masengo, the, the young boy, and O'Dowder. I mean, that is a very nice technical midfield but Mm. there's not a great deal of aggression in there so I just think if Lee Johnson does make a change this weekend it may be to shore up that area of the pitch I think think that's a really good point yeah Yeah, I think there's a lot of gritty players in the Cardiff team I don't think it will be an aerial bombardment because the big men are, are out for Cardiff. Obviously, we know about corners and free kicks. Seven set-piece goals Cardiff have, have scored this season. That's that's among the highest in the division. And, and Bristol City, one of their main weaknesses is corners. They've let in five. So so you know it's going to be all about getting the, you know, winning that midfield battle, getting the wingers into the game for Cardiff. And then from there, from corners, from wide free kicks, they're going to they're going to pose a real a real threat. So no, it, it, it's going to be interesting. It's by no means a I think it's a very difficult game to predict. Can I just ask you, and this is purely because I want a measure on on you both 
as men and where you stand in society. Oh, dear. Would you vote for zonal marking or not? And I say that having watched uh, the Barnsley-Bristol City game and zonal marking on that first goal that Barnsley conceded. As a player, I probably would have because I hated going back and picking up from set pieces more than anything in the world because I was useless. I used to spend my whole, I spent my whole life trying to get away from people. So when you get asked to go and do the other job and the run back, that's an extra 100 yards <laughs> a few times each game. I used to hate it as a manager, man for man. Yeah. Player, zonal, manager, man for man. Yeah, look, there are flaws to both. Zonal marking gets a lot of bad press. But when you watch man-to-man, when you see these scrums around the penalty spot where you've got four or five players just jostling away, it's, it's actually, in my opinion, just as easy to score against man-to-man as it is zonal because of the um, blockers and just you cause chaos. And it's fairly easy to, for one man out of a four-man or an eight-man melee to escape. It's actually pretty easy. If I was a manager, I'd do a mix. I would have um, zonals along the six-yard box, and then I would pick up at least three, the three best headers of the ball. I'd, I'd go for for man to man. Did he a jog brew in the the near post space? I'd have as well <laughs> <laughs> every week. Well, if we're going wish list, <laughs> you get that gig. <laughs> no, you didn't get that gig. I was dreadful. Yeah, I was I was uh, at fault for a lot of goals at defending set pieces. Yeah, always Not stick someone gig. on the post. Always Not on the post. I, I, I was deliberately bad, so they'd leave me up front. <laughs> I did a particularly bad handball once when I just kind of lost the flight of the ball and Mick Harford absolutely ruined me. Yeah, I was sent off for handball on the line as well. Standing on the post. Really? Yeah. Shameful scenes. Both of you could have leapt like salmon, I'm sure, without without the hands. Joe, where do you stand on it? You've got to have two full backs on the post. Right. Two big lads on the the penalty spot and then anybody else can just... The problem is doing two things at once. I couldn't watch a man and the ball. Just watching the ball, no problem. Yeah. Well, watching it go past you <laughs> into the goal. Uh, well, Joe, you are the winner of that particular debate. Well done. You can come back again. We will not empty chair you. Nottingham Forest Derby, Barnsley, Stoke and Cardiff, Bristol City. Joe, odds for this weekend, please. OK, so the early kickoff on Saturday, Nottingham Forest are the favourites to beat Derby 23-20 to 20 with the wayside 12-5 to 5 and the draw 5-2. to 2. Barnsley, Stoke... Stoke are actually favourites to win this uh, away from home. Six to four, Barnsley nine to five to get the win at home and the draw 12 to five. And Cardiff are favourites to win on Sunday. Even money, Bristol City nearly three to one at 27 to 10 and the draw 13 to five. We are out of this zone and heading into League One next. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. This is the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker. What's going on down in League One then? Wickham go joint top of the pile and Ainsworth becomes the longest serving manager in the top four divisions this week after Jim Bentley left Morecambe. We'll talk to Morecambe 
in a bit, by the way. Uh, another manager then getting the hook. This time it's goodbye to Paul Tisdale at Milton Keynes. Bolton aren't very Bolton. Back-to-back league wins for the first time since August 2018 when Joe was in nappies. Oxford hold the longest unbeaten run in the EFL. Now 12 games for Carl Robinson's men. And it's not going very well for Sol, is it? Still waiting for his first point in charge of Southend after a 4-1 defeat at former club Pompey. Shimpers now 8 points from safety. They do have the joys of the FA Cup coming up this weekend, which we will also have a little look at. But they go to Dover. That won't be easy. Milton Keynes, Paul Tisdale, right decision, anyone, for anyone? I'm a little bit biased and I'll try and give it a bit of balance. I feel it's a bit premature. Um, I know that I've been consistent on this show when you get six, seven, eight defeats uh, in a run. You know, the supporters normally voice their concerns and it's no surprise when managers lose their jobs, but... I'll point back to Paul Tisdale, 2016-17, this time of year Mm. at Exeter, rock bottom of the Football League. And they went on to uh, get to the playoffs that season. Another playoff campaign the following year. And I remember being down there this time of year, November. He was low. Uh, There was a huge injury list, which he could probably point towards at the moment at Milton Keynes. And I think when you employ Paul Tisdale, given what he did over a long period of time at Exeter, you have to think that it's an appointment for a long time and and um, you have to try and have longevity. So I think he could potentially have turned it around, but the results recently have been hellish. It's just one goal in the last six games. There's a lack of a real lack of pace, a real lack of goals in the team. And it's no surprise when you look at what they lost in EK. Wheeler to Wickham, mm. uh, Hesketh they had on loan back in the last season. He's at Lincoln now. Reese Healy's injured. There's a number of players that they've had uh, sporadically this season that have now picked up injuries. So it's not completely unfathomable to realise where they're in this situation. I just think that potentially he could have turned things around. But it's been pretty dire. And ultimately, they're still trying to build a fan base, MK Dons. And if you're not getting new people coming to the games and they're not enjoying the football, mm. you're not going to be running a successful business. Mm. Uh, just point out that the Russell Martin has got the job. Russell has maybe, as we were saying, with Stoke taking a, a player from within and what he can he can do for it. But, but just briefly, have you spoken to Paul about any of it? No, I probably will speak to um, Danny Butterfield, one of his coaches who I was close to during my, my time at Exeter. And he's become a big part of his backroom staff along mm. with uh, Matt Oakley and Mel Gwinnett, their goalkeeping coach. So they've all left in the last um, couple of days. So, no, it's going to be really interesting. I'm sure, like I said about Nathan Jones, no doubt that Paul Tisdale will get another job. I'm, yeah. I'll be very surprised if he's not linked with a couple of the vacancies straight away. Um, he'll be fine. But it'll be interesting under Martin. He should have a good idea after what he learned under Daniel Farker. I know it was only brief, but I think that's where his Norwich career ended. Mm. But I've read an interview with him and he seemed to really enjoy that period. So... Listen, it's a it's a gamble. But, but if the, anyone knows what that squad is capable of, it's yeah. going to be him. There'll be no illusions from him over over what he's got to deal with, I guess. Yeah, but it's a, it's a big task, isn't it? He's mm. spoken about playing expansive football and playing excited football, and maybe that's what he's picked up towards the tail end of his career when when teams have been playing more exuberant style. But it's a big gamble. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree with 
I'll echo most of what Sam said there. I think it's a bit harsh. They, they sort of stumbled over the line, didn't they, last year? If yeah. you cast your mind back. It wasn't pretty, was it? It, it, no. it? I think they lost three of the last eight. It wasn't the most convincing of promotions. And I think there's a slight hangover. And, and, and the, the players that have been brought in to replace those that Sam mentioned that, that moved on haven't quite lived up to the hype. I do think injuries are massive. Reese Healy is definitely their most potent forward player and he's been missing and he was delivering early on in the season he's been out and Sam Nombe is, is a yeah. player that really was catching the eye when they were picking up points it's no coincidence that they've started to the goals have dried up with, with those two out of the team I think that you look at the goals some really bad goals they're giving away the centre halves look a little bit all over the shop for, for MK so maybe organisationally they could have done a bit better but look, yeah Russell Martin's worked under some good managers hasn't he Farker's just won Lambert I think Hewton, he would have worked under at Norwich as well. Darren Ferguson at Peterborough before. So, so yeah, he'd have picked up plenty. Um, little, little thing on Russell Martin as I was doing my research. Big vegan. Don't know if you know this. Um, Why have you made that face when you said it? Oh, I didn't. I, I did. <laughs> he just, he did, he did just curl up. his lips and I look did, at you. I did. Well, it's the cult of the vegan, isn't it? The vegans are everywhere. But anyway, um, he owns a vegan restaurant. <laughs> The he's cult a mem- of the vegan. The cult of the vegan. And um, the Totally Show, vegans get in touch. He's, he's a big vegan. He owns a vegan restaurant. He's a member of the Green Party. For me, if he does well at MK, he's definitely a future Forest Green manager, right? Is this a party political <laughs> broadcast on behalf of Dale Vince? Yeah, too right. Too right. I very much favour the uh, bean curd burger. No, what did I have at Forest Green? Best food in the division. Something nice. It was something nice. I dipped it in it's chocolate finished. and it was fine. For him then, Russell Martin, he's been taking the, the pro licence. Uh, he's a vegan, so <laughs> it looks like everything will, will be well for him. After the FA Cup weekend, of of course, coming up this weekend, then they've got your team, Joe. The first league game, uh, 15th, 16th, 16th of November is, is Bolton That's right, away. Yeah. So what has happened with Bolton? Um, I think they've just got click here. If you, if you think about the players that Keith Hill brought in, uh, on that last day of the transfer window, none of them had had a pre-season, so it, it would have taken them a bit of time to hit the ground. But now that they're, they're seeming to pick up a little bit of momentum, they're not playing particularly pretty football, uh, but they've picked up a couple of results. If you count the leasing.com trophy, which I know a lot of people don't, uh, it's not. It's not actually. T- it's not. I've actually- won it. <laughs> and it's former guys. <laughs> Uh, how it, many minutes did you play? You were, yeah. JPT. How, how many minutes did you play? Four minutes. <laughs> Still enough. Yeah. Gets multiplied every time I get asked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where's the medal? Uh, it's in my drawer in my hallway. Huh. Uh, but uh, in, including a match against Manchester City under 21s, um, Bolton have actually won three in a row. Uh, so they're they're picking up momentum. They haven't got the biggest squads, and, and injuries are taking their toll a little bit. Um, Fifteen points now from safety. Yeah, and for the for the first time, they aren't the favourites for relegation. They're still massively odds-on to go down, but Southend are now a shorter price than Bolton Wanderers to get relegated. I mean, Southend going down, aren't they? Yeah. Only, only said that to see if anyone would fly in from next door to have a word with me. They are, but I feel a bit sorry for Seoul considering he had Ipswich, Sunderland, Portsmouth first three games. I didn't yeah. even see that coming. No. I didn't look at the fixtures, poor man. But he, he would have done that. And I kind of... He, so he knew that. And I just wonder whether that's just a... I know it's become a Southend United podcast, but whether you just write those ones Yeah, it doesn't start till Saturday, probably. Yeah. You know, anything would have been a bonus in those three games. Quick word on... Maybe we'll get the prices from you in a minute. Ipswich... Going back, joint top Wickham, said doing so well under 
Gareth Ainsworth, Peterborough, Oxford, Fleetwood, Coventry, Sunderland in, in seventh. They've confirmed that that significant investment is happening from the American consortium. I wonder whether that's going to change things for Sunderland now. We've always said it oh, for so long, it's so set up. and mm. But now that little bit more money coming coming in, whether it's there, this is their time now to really push on. Yeah, but it's not, isn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> if you're not going to do it now, then when are you going to do but it? But last season they were able to go and buy Will Grigg for, for big money and, mm. and they paid big transfer fees. So it doesn't all come down to that. It's more about the man that's got the job right now. Can he get a better tune out of these players? And so far, so good at the Stadium of Light. Even though it was scrappy against Southend at the weekend, just need to improve the away form, get that consistency going. And no, I've got no doubt that suddenly going to be pushing for promotion now they've got Phil Parkinson. Yeah, they don't even have to be sensational away from home. They just need to be solid, not lose as many games away from home. And I, I'm confident that, that the stadium are like, they'll, they'll pick up enough points to, to go up, actually. I, I, I don't think the division is quite as strong this no. season as it was last year. I think Wickham are doing amazingly, but I just don't know how sustainable it is. Peterborough are great going forward, but a bit flaky at the back. Oxford... Oxford are a contenders. Fleetwood probably short on strength in depth. Coventry don't score enough goals. I think Phil Parkinson should get Sunderland up alongside Ipswich. I, th- I think that was what we pretty much said at the start of the season. And I, I still think those two will eventually prevail. I, I don't know, and, and Joe, whether it backs it up or not, but I sat with uh, Brian Lee, long-time legend of, of Wickham, and he seems fairly confident mm. Mm. about, particularly if you hang on to Gareth Ainsworth, where this team will will end up mm. and their potential for the future. Again, they've had investment come in from the American side of things too, so what that will do for them. Bolton, Milton Keynes, we can look at that again, Joe, before it comes round, but, but any odds changing in League One for you? At the top uh, of the table, uh, Wickham is still 7-2 to two to, to get promoted, which makes them seventh favourites. And interestingly enough, they are one of the least back teams in the division when it comes to accumulators each weekend. They're, I think people are expecting them every weekend to kind of drop off and every mm. weekend they keep surprising us. And it, it's just an interesting thing that we picked up on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think people are expecting them to drop off, but so far so good for them. At the bottom of the table, mentioned already, Southend 1-16 to to go down, Bolton 1-12. to uh, Wimbledon 7-4, to and it looks like MK Dons might just squeak to safety at 9-4. to Those are the facts and figures in League One. Last stop, League Two. Last week, it was a waterlogged pitch. This week, it was gale force winds. Plymouth Grimsby postponed after severe wind wreaks havoc with the home park roof. But the game was only called off less than three hours before kickoff. Just the 690-mile round trip for Grimsby fans. Owen Doyle is better than Messi and Ronaldo combined. 14 goals this season for Swindon's finest on loan from Bradford. Disclaimer, striker. Forest Green Rovers moved top of the League Two table with a derby win at Cheltenham 2-1. Cheltenham 17-match unbeaten run gone. And Northampton's Sean McWilliams is out for up to a month after falling ill before Saturday's game. Turns out he needed his appendix removed. Uh, we spoke about the fact that Gareth Ainsworth is now the longest serving manager in all four divisions. That's because of Jim Bentley leaving Morecambe. Morecambe co-chair Rod Taylor joined us for a quick chat. A win for Kevin Ellison and Barry Roach at Orient at the weekend. So did that result change Taylor's mind on where they go next? 
it was a welcome boost um, from a lot of points of view. Uh, morale, you know, first home win for a while. I don't think it's changed our view where we're going. Um, we've had dozens of applicants and we've been interviewing. We drew up a shortlist over the weekend, been interviewing over the past two days and some some really tremendous applicants. Yeah, very pleased. It's a bit daft, isn't it? Because I, I know when I was involved uh, a lot lower down the pyramid, but the calibre of manager that that you get, have you been surprised by the, I'm not saying you're not a great club, but the, the level? Have you had ex-Premier League players? Uh, who have you, the types that yes. you've had apply? Yes, yes, we have indeed. Uh, ex-Premier League uh, players, um, all across the spectrum, really, you know, uh, people with massive portfolios of what they've, they've previously done. Yeah, re- really pleasant surprise. And, of, of course, we haven't interviewed a manager formally since 1994, so it's a little bit different for us. I was going to say that, Rod. It's it's something really, really new for you. Are you having to to persuade the candidates potentially that you're the right club for them? I only say that because Jim Bentley, of course, famously never had any money to spend on transfer fees as such. Are you having to explain the way it's going to work at Morecambe if if they do take the job? No, absolutely. I think you've got to be transparent in these situations without a shadow of a doubt. You know, and and that's a two-way street, the manager coming in and, and ourselves. It's got to be a transparent situation. It wouldn't be fair otherwise at all. Ellison and Roach, are they part of your thinking? Could you just give it to them for the rest of the season at least? Um... It would be an option. I think we've got to look at all options at the moment. Until we've actually fixed on what we see as, as the candidate, each one of those... You've got to look at the rules as well from a, um, the point of view of what licences they've got, what, what badges they've got. So there's a lot of things to consider. And I've got to say, Kev and Barry and John McMahon have done a fabulous mm. job since Jim went. They've really gelled people together. There is a galvanised squad there. And it was tough for them. Jim going was really tough. It was tough for all of us. Yeah. But we all understand the reasons why uh, we get that. And we've now got to move on. Jim will always be a hero at Morgan Football Club. And in the fullness of time, as I said on Saturday, we will formally recognise that. We wouldn't do anything else. You know, 17 and a half years at one club, it's a massive amount of time. Those comments from him after leaving Jim Bentley said that the board wanted him to stay, but the owners have a different view. Is that right? And how much of a say, given that, if that is true, how much of a say will you actually get in appointing a new manager? Well, appointing a new manager is a board decision, a full board decision. It's basically one man, one vote. The owners are very supportive. You know, and again, I said on Saturday, if it hadn't been for Colin and Jason, they may not have been a Morgan football club now. They came in at a very difficult time. They've supported us financially. They are remote from it geographically, but they have supported us, and, and we're very, very grateful for that. Bentley's been quite vocal, hasn't he, as we were saying to Rod there about the reason why he left. Says he went of his own volition, though, Rod Taylor says, and there'll be a board decision on where they go Next, do you do, I guess, as we've just been talking about with Russell Martin and, and stick with, with a couple of players involved in it? Or as a player, it's difficult, Sam, to know when... I know both of you have, have gone the other route and gone down the punditry route, but to know when to not stop your career. They want to keep on playing, yeah. but then take the management route as well. If you're offered it, you take it, right? I think there must be a big temptation to keep this appointment in-house, considering what Jim Bentley did, and also because of the kind of restrictions you're working under yeah. at Morecambe. So that has to come into the equation with a potential new manager coming in from outside. You know, what 
players can I bring in? What's the training facility like? Um, what are the travel arrangements for away games? You know, all that comes into the equation, I think, when you're trying to get on the managerial ladder. I think Kevin Ellison and Barry Roche clearly will know absolutely everything there is to know about that club. They've been very successful as players. Um, yeah, I would envisage them wanting to take the job, even if that means that their playing time diminishes. Um, and on the Jim Bentley point, the guy wasn't backed. You know, he wasn't presented with a new contract offer. You know, he's been there a long time. He probably feels that he deserved a new contract if that wasn't forthcoming. Good luck to him. Go and get yourself a better contract elsewhere. Absolutely don't blame him for going. No, it it sounds bang on there. Personally, if I was a Morecambe fan, I would prefer if someone new came in because when someone's been in charge for so long, I just think they might be a little bit set in their ways. And let's face it, it hasn't gone very well this year. And they've sort of not been at the top of the table necessarily in the last few years either. I think having someone new with fresh ideas, a fresh pair of eyes, might be just just what, what the club needs to to perk up a little bit and and to and to maybe bring around a, a turnaround. So so look, we'll see. It didn't sound from that interview as if those two were going to get no. the job. So so it will either be someone else from within or as I say, somebody from outside. I would personally go with that. Former Premier League player, perhaps. What what odds on who's the next Morecambe boss? He would, I didn't ask him because I knew he wouldn't tell yeah, me who the Premier League players were. Joe, since that chat, change your odds. Um, what odds were they? What, what <laughs> chat was that? <laughs> what, I'm glad just you were now? listening to Rod Taylor. Just now. <laughs> with, with Rod before the dentist. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've been texting the guys. No, uh, no, everything's exactly the same. Paul Lintz. 16 to 1, Sam. Uh, outside chance. Barry Roach is actually the favourite. Kevin Ellison is 8 to 1, bigger price. Ex Premier League player, Kevin Nolan, 7 to 2, second favourite. Uh, he was on the debate on Sky on Monday night, definitely talking about wanting to get into management as soon as possible. So this could be the opening for him. Mm. It's funny um, how they, they turn up on um, TVs and things, you know, when, when suddenly the fans are getting back into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and Brian McDermott, third favourite, five to one. He won't fancy Morecambe. Whatever surely. happened to Brian McDermott? <laughs> uh, that, that is a blast from the past. <laughs> have a nice it's, place in Bracknell. He's not going to want to go up there, is he? It's got Nolan written all over it, but uh, it, who knows in, yeah, in football, <laughs> we've been wrong before, but yeah, th- th- this has the look of a job that he, he would take to get back in. Never wrong for long. Shall we talk FA Cup games? Because they dominate, of course, this weekend. Kicks off with Dulwich up against Carlisle. Uh, that one on Friday night. Oh, I mentioned Southend. Southend going to Dover. That's not easy at, at the best of times. I just, that's not going to happen there for them. Uh, some of the other key ties, Leighton Orient, Molden and Tiptree. Go on the jammers. It's not going to happen for them. you just written them off, just no, like well, that. Oh, it is horrible place Super Cell's go. blew my army. Yeah, well, possibly. <laughs> if you're going to go yeah. and you're going to get something to lift you into the league, then you could turn right, around and say that's a perfect opportunity for Southend United. Look, they are still a League One team. They're pretty playing like a, a team that... I think if they were in League Two right now, Southend, I think they might still be in the bottom two. That's how bad they've been, mm. which is a worry. Dover's a big pitch, played there many, many times. It can be it can get quite heavy as well. So so yeah, it might be typical if we see what the weather's like, might not be nice conditions down there. So now I can see why you you call it an upset. Yeah, I'm looking at, at Leighton Orient against Morden and Tiptree. Um on the radio show I present we we they've become our adopted team. We started off with Great Yarmouth Town. 
gone through the rounds. It, it was Royston, and they lost in the last round to, to, to Morden and Tiptree. Now, Morden and Tiptree, I think I've got a chance here. There are a lot of divisions below. It's mm. Ryman North. So that's a huge, huge gap, really, in the pyramid. But they're, they're flying, absolutely flying. I know Sam knows the gaffer, Wayne Brown there. They've got a 100% record in, in the league this season. They've obviously won all of the FA Cup games as well. So they will be flying. They had a match called off this midweek, which, yeah. oh, no, we've got a game called off. Um, that's, that's devastating. So then it'll be nice and fresh for the trip to Leighton Orin. And, and I just think Leighton Orin... They've got a record this season of uh, it's patchy at home. They've conceded a lot of goals on home turf, and it's not been brilliant so far for, for Fletcher, has it? So, so if their minds aren't on it, Leighton Orin, if they're if they're in any way casual or don't fancy it, Morden and Tiptree can go there and score goals, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, w- watch this space. They'll probably get spanked seven nil now. <laughs> if you think get it to replay, I'd fancy them on a replay. Yeah, fancy them on a replay. Uh, Sam Chippenham Northampton. You like the look of? Yeah, well, Northampton, obviously, I played there for a year and Chippenham is a near neighbour to Swindon Town. So there's a lot of links between Swindon and Chippenham and keeping the pitch theme, mm. there's an, an almighty slope yeah. on the Chippenham pitch at mm. Harden Hewish Park. So okay. that's the first thing that the Northampton players will have to navigate. They're on a brilliant unbeaten run as well, like um, Morden and Tiptree. Although seven of the 15 games this season have been drawn. So they are the draw specialists with a fantastic defensive record as well. 14 goals conceded. The problem is they've only scored 15. <laughs> so it's not going to be a glut of goals. But that said, Adrian, you know, describe what it's like there. Sometimes if the league club can get that early goal, yeah. it can be really tricky. I was part of a Northampton team. Again, I think I played eight minutes on that occasion that lost 1-0 at Canvey Island in the first round of the FA Cup. And I spoke to my mate yesterday of a Chippenham persuasion and he said something similar will do just nicely. Yeah, it's horrible. When you're the league team and you're going away, even at, even at home it can be awkward, um, but especially away to a place like Chippenham, it, you've really got to get the mind right. And start I, I wanted well. those games away from home. It was going to a new ground, it was a new experience and it was almost like you were back playing, yeah. with all respect, back playing at school or for the county or something like that and yeah. you could really relax. The home games, you're on a hide into nothing mm. and it's very difficult to motivate yourself and in all honesty, when you're playing for a league mm. team, the last thing you want is a non-league team at home. Yeah, I've been, I've been giant killed. When I was at South End, we got giant killed by Doncaster, who were in the National League at the time, so a big club Doncaster, but we were overwhelming favourites small crowd turned up and it was we were just expected to roll them over and I'll be honest in the first half we battered them we were, I was thinking this is easy we, we, we're going to walk this we didn't score and then they nicked one at the start of the second half and all of a sudden panic can set in the crowd are really on your back because they're thinking what's going on here and and then you it, it can quickly go pear-shaped I remember I missed a great chance in the game as well so yeah it's, it's a match that, that haunted me so yeah look if if Orion or, or Northampton get turned over, that but or any of these teams at yeah. home to non-league, it'd be something they have to live with. Yeah, not nice. My team have got to go. Chance that we've got to go and play Chippenham. I think around towards the end of December, we've already drawn three-three with them at mm. home, and they were two-one up. I think mm. then three-one up. So, yeah, they we scored in about the ninety-something minutes. So they they love a good goal, but you're right, they love to concede one too. You, so that'll be a high score. You, you want to be at least 
two goals up before you play up the slope yeah. in the second half. <laughs> it is right. one of them. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The way the way to pass has got to be spot on when you're going down the hill. Love a slope. Um, Bristol Rovers Bromley. So that is the same thing. The yeah. Lower league team going to the and highest. it's a team that's flying. Bromley, obviously top of the national league. They score a lot of goals. More at home, it has to be said. But they are full of such belief at the moment under Neil Smith and. We spoke to him on the radio not so long ago, Neil Smith, and it feels like a great spirit there, real family atmosphere. They'll go there and just have fun, Bromley. And Bristol Rovers are absolutely on a on a hide into nothing here. They're without their their star striker, of course, at the moment, Johnson Clark Harris. So so again, if they fall behind, this might be the occasion for an upset. So yeah, watch this space for that one. My final FA Cup anecdote of the week was a first round tie at Stourbridge when I was playing for Walsall and um, it was people like behind a rope. Bit of it, a derby, right? Bit of a derby just down the M5 and it was there was no stand. It was like people just standing around the rope. It was brilliant. It was really good fun and uh, David Hay was fighting Valuev that night and the fans started um, comparing me to the big <laughs> Russian monster <laughs> And it was very good because it's a decent lookalike and it's stuck at Walsall for that season. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do a, a little... I'm, mate, I don't, I'm just looking at a picture of him. I, I think you're being a bit harsh on yourself. Yeah, there. I'm being harsh, but when it was pinned up above my place, I enjoyed it. See, <laughs> it's the brow. It's bizarre because that, that was... What was that? David versus Goliath. Yeah. And this... Do you know what I'm missing today to talk to you? I'm not missing it because... I should have prepped you here, shouldn't I, Caroline? Should, Sorry. Midday today... Yeah. David, because it's 10 years since uh, David Hay, Valuev, midday today at the very posh hotel just down the road, David Hay is having a sit down with everyone talking about it. You should walk in. It hit me. You should totally walk in. Can we send him down there? Uh, Please. No, actually, please. Odds on that one, who would survive between uh, David Hay and Sam Parkin? Oh, David Hay's not that mobile anymore, yeah. is he? You well, could take he, hasn't, he hasn't got an ankle. Well, he's a bit old jelly legs these yeah. days, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. My money's it. on Sam, yeah. yeah. What about the rest of the FA Cup? <laughs> um, so the games that we've talked about there, Bristol Rovers odds on to beat Bromley, who are 9-2. to two. Chippenham 4-1 to one to get the home win against Northampton, who are 8-13. to 13. Uh, Leighton Orient massively odds on 1-6 to six to beat Malden and Tiptree, who are 11-1. to one. Um, And if you'll... Indulge me my potential upset. Monday the 11th of November, Harrogate 4-1 to one to beat Pompey at home. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that one. Yeah. I know you'll seek my approval, but <laughs> I think Harrogate Town again, not not a nice place. To, uh, lovely place to go, Harrogate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mean that about Dover. Lovely place to go. But when you're going there, tight pitches, trying to get a result, yeah. not uh, easy. Gateshead to beat Oldham. I'm going to chuck another one out there. Don't I know why. I, you might like this one, Sam. You might, you might not. Hazen Yedding up against Oxford United. Well, I like it because they're all my mates. They're in yeah. the dugout. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, I think Handy will and do. I'm, and I'm going. Are you going? So, yeah, I'm going, yeah. So, I'd be absolutely chuffed for the chaps if they were to cause an upset. Oxford don't need to get through. They're having a good enough season as it is. Hope they roll over. Yeah, that, <laughs> those are our picks. Thank you, Joe Crilly. Anything else you'd like to add? Absolutely not, no. Thank not you. anything else you want to say about the Moetti Bolton Wanderers? We started with the Wanderers. We can end with them if you like. No? Good. Adrian, Sam, anything? I think I've spoken enough. Any more FA Cup anecdotes? That's me out. I've only ever scored one goal. I'll save that for the fourth round. Fourth round is when it's going to happen. Fourth round is probably, I reckon, where you could hold David Hay to. So you've still got time if you want to go off for lunch. Thank you to everyone. We've been here. 
thanks to Sam, to Joe, to Nick and producer Lucy for the fireworks and everything else in between. Remember to keep in touch with us via at The Totally Show. We're off to deal with maybe some severe wind or at least David Hay. You've been listening to The Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.